and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Stuck in a Middle Podcast. I'm your host, Uncle AK. And today with me, I have a very special guest. But before that, uh, please, 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 if I know I haven't recorded in a, in, in a minute, you haven't heard from Stuck in a Minute, but we're definitely coming back. You know what I mean? We're definitely coming back. Uh, this time around, um, I plan on talking to a lot of different individuals, not solely entrepreneurs, but people who are walking in that path, career path or that, uh, who enjoy that career path or don't enjoy it. And would like to share the experiences about it. You know, it's all about breaking the mold, right? It's all about sharing examples, experiences, and just helping the next person to either attain that goal or to pivot. You know what I mean? Because some people might be in college and say, oh, I want to do this, but really is this for them. You know what I mean? So getting to something, knowing what it is I get into before getting into it is the purpose of this conversation. So um, follow us on all social platforms at SITM Podcast and the email is sitmpodcast237 at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. If you want to feature on the podcast as well, you know, feel free to do so or hit us on the gram. You know, we DM, DM us um, questions, comments, concerns, anything that you got. Shoot us that. Um, she's, I call her Manny, man, or Nana. Uh, 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 fruit Delight, for those of you who know her, you know, for healthy reasons. And for those of you who know her educationally, you know, I mean, today I'm speaking to her about occupational therapy. Yes, she's an occupational therapist and she's none other than um, man and doping. So welcome to talking about the podcast again. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know who Mana is, you know, I mean, if this is like the first time clicking on here to, you know, watch this, 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 this video, who is uh, man and doping? Hmm. I always find that question as a loaded question because Me it's too. hard to, to know what to include and what to exclude. But um, originally I am from Cameroon. Um, I would say precisely from the Northwest province. I am an occupational therapist by profession and I am a health enthusiast and um, I am interested in mental health, mental wellness. So that's really how I would um, define myself. I, I think that there is a lot more about me, but um, for most people who know me, these are the things that I seem to stand out about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, for most people who know you, they know that health is wealth and you know, wealth is health you know, with you. So, you know, you can't, I mean, you can't go wrong with both, but today I want to focus more on, you know, your career path, the path that you chose occupational therapy. You know, right. it's not something that's um, spoken of that much within, you know, not just the African community, but um, the black community and that, you know what I mean? And you don't have to go on Google and pull up a little stats, you know, cause some people like stats. So I'll just, you know, I'll just shoot it out there. Um, Google says, you know, uh, occupational therapy staff, currently right in the u.s um whites are 78.8 percent asians are 8.4 percent hispanics or latinos are 6.2 percent and blacks or african-americans are 5.0 percent 5.0 percent yes man hold up man hold up hold up hold up that number does not even sit right with me it doesn't feel right you know what i mean it doesn't feel right why 5.0 percent why is that low um, I don't think that is a profession that is common in the African or Black community. And when I was looking into it, um, 
first of all, the journey to finding out about it is pretty interesting. And then when I was looking into it, I didn't know any African or any black person who was in the profession. So it was coming from an African, you know, household. Mm. It was hard to convince my family that this is what I want to do because the first question, even to this day, six years later, when I, I, I seldom introduce myself as an occupational therapist because the first question I get is, what is that? Is that like physical therapy? No, it's not. But do we work together? Yes, we do. So what really is it? So in a nutshell, occupational therapists work with people across the lifespan, which is from birth to death, in order to um, make life living. So transform life to living, pretty much. Because sometimes people are born with limitations mm -hmm. that prevent them from doing their daily activities. Sometimes it might be as simple as feeding yourself, taking care of yourself, getting dressed, taking a shower. And then the older some people get, they might get into health conditions that prevent them from doing what they used to do. So occupational therapists can help them regain those skills or show them ways to do those activities in with compensation or adaptation. And then as people get older, they tend to lose certain skills. So an occupational therapist would help them slow the decline or maintain some functions or show them other ways to do it. And in certain cases, some people cannot regain function. So we tend to involve a family into how they can help this person be as independent as possible, but still be able to do certain things for themselves. Man, that sounds, that, that, that sounds tedious. It is, it sounds tedious, but it's, well, for me, it's, it's been a challenging, but fun journey. Let's, 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 let's get down to the, you know, to the fun part of it before I really get into, you know, all the needy and greedy. So try to convince your parents that this is what I want to do or family at that I just want to do as an African kid, you know, the normals is the um, lawyer, doctor, engineer, or disgrace, which occupational therapy is still there in healthcare, but it's still not well known, right? So how did you get them? Or how are you still struggling trying to get not just the parents, but your even your own peers, right? To understand what occupational therapy is or even explain that to you know, um, anybody who is even thinking about venturing into that? Um, I think that through the years, I have learned to figure out a way to explain it to different people, depending on where they are coming from. So if I'm to explain it to someone who is getting into it, my recommendation would be find an occupational therapist and observe them at work. I didn't get that. But even though I didn't get that, I still don't regret making the choice I made. Mm -hmm. If I'm explaining it, well, back then I did not have all this knowledge. So I really did not explain it to my family. I just, I made the decision. I actually hit the decision until I was getting ready to get into the master's program. Okay, so let me, let me go back. Yeah, right? please. So I come to the U.S. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to the U.S. with the notion that I'm going to be a pharmacist or a medical doctor. So I sign up um, community college, my pre-requisite pre 
requested are towards pharmacy. So the first two semesters, the general education, you know, English, math, psychology, sociology. The first thing that picked my interest was psychology, the beauty of the mind. Mm-hmm. But third semester, I don't consider myself good at physics, math, and chemistry. And that is really what pharmacy is, you know, that's what the core courses for pharmacy. Now, I didn't fail the courses. I was like B, B minus. So it was hard for me to convince my parents that this is not for me. But I think that the thing that really threw me off is that for my siblings, they would know that I hate, I hate it and I still hate medications and I hate needles, injections. So when I began to read more about pharmacy and medicine, it is, it has to do with medication and needles. And I did not see myself going in the direction of something that I would have to deal with that for the rest of my life. And it involves taking out school loans. So my thought process was, am I going to take out this much money for something that I really don't find? I don't know. I mean, yes, it's a name. It's a good name to be, to say I am a pharmacist. I'm a doctor. It's got money, but I did not feel a connection to it. So I set out to do research. Community college had a, um, the career center. So I went in there and I took career assessment and the courses that stood out for me was psychology and sociology, then biology, chemistry, physics, and math. All those were at the bottom and the recommended, um, careers were nutritionist, dietitian, respiratory therapy and physical therapy. Occupational therapy did not feature. And back then, occupational therapy did not pop up when you searched healthcare professions. So I changed my major from pharmacy to dietitian. I didn't tell my family because I was like, let me figure out if this is what I want to do, then I'll find a way to tell the story. Dietitian sounded like food, food, food. And I was like, eh, do I want to spend the rest of my life giving me food? And I switched to nutritionist, the same thing. Then I switched to respiratory therapy because I have a history of asthma. So I thought that I could connect that personal experience with respiratory therapy. But with reading more about it, I was like, ah, do I want to deal with this one aspect of a human for the rest of my life? But I think I held onto that major a little longer than towards the end of, I think the last semester in community college when I was supposed to graduate, I was like, nah, this is not working. Then I switched to physical therapy. So wait, so the, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Between all this time, like how much time have, was I passed? Like a year, um, two years? No, actually, because so the first two semester in community college, I did general education courses. The third semester, I switched to dietitian and nutritionist in the same semester. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Then the next semester, I went from respiratory to physical. Man, this shit I'm for the week, man, because that 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 needs brain brain power. You know what I mean? Like it needs brain power. Yeah. It's not for the week. Yes, yes. And the whole time, because I was still deciding, I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew that I'm still, you know, on the path to pharmacy. And in all honesty, as an African child, you want to make your parents proud. Definitely. So 
at the back of my mind the whole time, I was like, whatever I do, I need to stay in the healthcare field because the healthcare is considered, you would always have an opportunity to get a job. I mean, that was back then. Now it looks like IT is taking over, but that's a story for a different day. Mm -hmm. So, so last semester in community college, um, with physical therapy, but it's not, I didn't feel like a strong connection to it. However, it didn't have to do with medicine or needles because I hate those two. I don't want to interact with them for any reason whatsoever. So the summer of 2008, because my youngest brother was receiving occupational therapy in school, but I didn't know that. So um, I think I was going through some mails or something and I saw his school report. And he said, occupational therapy goals, these were the goals, and this was what he was able to do at the end of the semester. And um, looking at it like, wait a minute, he wasn't able to do these things on his own. Mm -hmm. Now he's able to do it independently. Yep. So I went from the dining table to the computer table and I typed in occupational therapy. And with every click, whatever I read was like, almost like an awakening. I'm like, wait a minute, why did this not pop up when I search respiratory and physical therapy? I guess because it wasn't common then and it still isn't common now. So in my research, I saw that, as you read from the statistics, it's mostly... White and Asians. Yes. Yep. So how do I explain to my family that? I am getting into a white people's profession. I did not. Yeah. So what I did is I found, I found schools that um, were offering the program. And back then only one school in Maryland was doing that. And that same school was offering a pharmacy program. So I made up this story <laughs> and I hope that they can forgive me because I think that most people will be hearing this story for the first time. So I made up the story that I'm going to transfer from the community college to the four-year college. And then when I get there, I'll apply to the pharmacy program. Because I couldn't say that I wasn't good at it because my GPA was great. Right. So I transferred to the four-year college. And I applied to the occupational therapy program, not the pharmacy program. And then the questions start popping. You're not doing the, I think it's called the PCAT, the, the thing you do to, yeah. They bought me the books, you know, and all that stuff. And so I, like, ah, I guess I have to tell the truth now, right? <laughs> did you? No, I did not. I did not. What'd you do? I told a lie. <laughs> kept digging that I hole. Said, I kept digging it. So I said, I did not qualify for the pharmacy program, but I did not apply. But wait, hold on. So they know you got, I mean, they know you're good for it. You know I mean? They know you're good for it. So how did they believe this lie? I actually took the pharmacy technician course to be a pharmacy tech, to be working as a pharmacy tech while pursuing the, um, you know, the pharmacy program. program. Yeah. And I, I think I passed, no, I failed the first time because it was my first time doing a computer, um, 
computer tests. I didn't yeah. know that, you know, yeah, all of that. So I failed the first time. And I was like, yes, I failed. So maybe they will see that this is not my thing, right? Nope. Is there people fail more than one time, try it again. And and they pay for it. So I could not not take it. I took it again and I failed. This time on purpose because you can't work, right? You can't get it. I mean, you could work with a temporary license mm -hmm. if you fail, but for you to get the full license, you have to pass. Yeah. So they were like, okay, just go ahead and go to the pharmacy school. So I said, I did not get into the program because um, those who get priority are those who are in the school. I applied to the program from a community college, but those who get priority into the program and they only have a set number of people, they take in, in school student priority first, then there's waiting list, you know, wait list it. God forgive me. <laughs> I did not apply. I instead applied to the occupational therapy program. Now, I did not get in. And the reason why they said I didn't get, get in was because at that point it switched to a five year combined bachelor's and master's degree program. Mm. And I only wanted to do the bachelor's degree program. Back then, the requirement was bachelor's degree level. But I think two years later, it became a master's degree requirement. So I didn't get in. So now I'm battling with all these emotions. First, I have light, you know, my way through here. Yeah. And now I started to regret. I was like, well, maybe if I applied to the pharmacy program, I would have gotten in, you know. But now I had to wait one more year to apply the following year and in the meantime my advisor at the point said at the time said i can major in psychology and minor in pre-occupational therapy so when the next application season comes i would apply to occupational therapy so the season came and i did not qualify because the biology course I was assigned was a regular biology because I was supposed to take biology for professional students mm. and I was like okay another you know turn in the journey what am I doing you know trying a pharmacy that I did not like mm. or wait one more year so waiting one more year or changing my major to fully psychology another white people profession so i did that because i needed to graduate so i can apply to a different school because i felt like for whatever reason this something about the school was not right. you know was not letting yeah. me into that know. program and that's what i wanted to do so i switched to psychology now during graduation i had to tell my parents right that <laughs> I didn't take it. <laughs> Not good. They're like, what do they do? How much money do they make? And, and, and I get I get that it was coming from a place of love. I mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. But well, maybe I get it now. But back then I did not. At least I knew that psychology wasn't my end goal. But I couldn't talk about occupational therapy because it's to the white people's job, right? 
So I think two days before graduation, I had a car accident and I could barely walk, but I was determined to walk that stage, even if it meant I was limping. So I walked the stage and then I came back and I was, you know, looking for a master's degree program in occupational therapy. But the questions were, are you applying to the pharmacy program? If pharmacy is not your thing, then do medicine. And um, I did not say no, but I didn't say yes either. So I applied to a master's degree occupational therapy. I got in. Actually, I applied to a program out of state, Massachusetts. And in all honesty, the reason I chose an out of state school was because I was running away. Mm -hmm. I was running away from, you know. The noise, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because I honestly cannot explain why I wanted to do occupational therapy, but I felt like it was a thing for me. I felt like it was going to give me the financial stability that they wanted, mm -hmm. but it did not come with a title that they, they were looking for. Yeah. Yes. So going away, which I feel like got me into a bigger um, school loan debt, but at that point, that's, that's, you know, that's what I could do to do what I wanted to do, I needed to do. And in all honesty, I only thought about occupational therapy because of my youngest brother, who was born with a mental disability. So if not for him, I probably would never have known that there was a thing called occupational therapy. Yeah. Being so that, that's... being that you know what you know right now and the experiences that you've been able to acquire this far right? What would you advise any young person who is looking at that field? And not just any young person, I'm talking about like any black African-American, you know, young man or woman looking to, you know, get into this field and, you know, get things going for themselves, you know, just run. What would you tell them? First of all, I would say it is challenging as a black person in a field that, you know, you don't get to see many of us. Because I remember during grad school days, I think we were just two or three black people in a class of 20 or 20, 20 something. Mm. Okay. And each time I answered a question or had a question, it felt like it was so loaded to be coming from a black person. Like I would ask a question and the class would be dead silent and the teacher's facial expression would be like, how did you know that? Or where did you get that from? You know, we would do class projects and even in the group project, each individual had, you know, their own little section and then I'll present my section and then the teacher would give reference to a student, but they won't call your name, they won't give you credit. But then when the class is over, they'll be like, oh, you did a great job. Can you present to the first year students on this topic because you seem to have. So it's those little things that kind of made me wonder if, if I had known that it wasn't a black people profession, would I have changed my mind? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought then. But now I would say no. Because even during clinicals, you know, the, the places I got to be in, you know, I did pediatrics for the first clinical. 
I was the only black person, you know. During the meetings, I would have questions, I would answer questions, and I would get this look like, oh, wow, okay. And even at work, you know, I've, I've had opportunity to work in quite a number of buildings and walking in as the either the only black person or one of two. And also it depends on the area where I work in, you know, I would work in a walk in the building and I'm like, oh my God, there was a black person, you know, that someone you can relate with. Mm-hmm. And then you walk into the next building and you're looking for a black person and you don't see. Yep. So if anybody wants to go with you, my first thing would be to do your research. Find out why you want to do this. I mean, the money is great, you know, but also you have to learn to market yourself. Because even with, you know, managers I have, regional managers I have had to work, you know, ask questions. And it's almost like, well, this is my interpretation. It's almost like they decide how to answer based on the fact that as a double minority, black and a woman, it's like, wow, okay, you are courageous enough to ask this question or you're courageous enough to make this recommendation and, and that. So after doing the research, find a reason why you want to do this besides the money. Because you can make all the money you want, but if you don't find any fulfillment in it, it's going to be hard to wake up every day and go back to it. So do your research, find a reason why, and then observe somebody doing what you want to do. Because as an occupational therapist, you name it, you can work anywhere. From a hospital to a nursing home, to a school system, to industrial companies, you name it. If you are open-minded and creative, you can create your own niche just about anywhere, mm. but you have to know what you want and why you want it. Right, man. Just um, to follow up with that, right? What is your day to day like? You know, I mean, I mean, you mentioned that you know some people they should actually go out and you know shadow other people, and I'm and I'm all for internships. You know, something I wish I had done. You know, my college days. But anyways, it's not about me here. <laughs> what 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 is your day to day like? Huh. I think one skill that you need to have as an occupational therapist is to be open to flexibility. What does that mean? A lot. So there is no fixed schedule, right? So you can show up to work. You have an eight hour day. It could go from anywhere to back in the day it was an average of six to seven patients. Now it's an average of eight to worst case scenario, 16 patients. Is that due to the pandemic? Um, yeah, due to the pandemic and then changes in Medicare and Medicaid. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can show up to a patient's room and they're like, nope, I don't want therapy. And then you show up to a scheduled 30 minute session, it ends up being one hour because the service, the person needs more than what was scheduled. So there is a whole lot of juggling, there's a whole lot of thinking on your feet. And also, 
just because a patient presents with a diagnosis on a piece of paper, no two people with the same diagnosis, I'll use a random example, say stroke. Two people with stroke will not present the same. So the treatment you would use for A may not necessarily work for B. So that's where the flexibility comes in. In the mm. sense that you, you may be scheduled for an eight hour day, but you're only able to work for six hours because people refuse or for whatever reason. Now, you, have, you can encourage them and educate them on why it's good for them to participate. By the end of the day, patients right. If they say no, they say no. Gotcha. So flexibility is, is, is a really big part, which is also something that I like in the sense that there is no fixed time to get to work. But I think that might depend on the setting you're working in. Say if you're working in a school system, if it's a eight to three school system, or but I think it's open for for negotiation because some people work in a school system during the day, and then they work in a nursing home after school hours or on the weekends. So that's another aspect of the flexibility in the job. Gotcha. Man, like she said, do your research, you know, with everything, research, research is key. Just don't take her word for it. You know, this is just a, a stepping stone for you to, you know, navigate everywonders.com, you know, with the world of um, occupational therapy. But before, you know, before, before we leave this uh, Zoom call, I'm wondering, how can we get more black people into this occupation? How can we bring the number from five to 10, for example? <laughs> Um, like I said, you have to know why you want to do it because I could educate, you know, people on it all at one, mm. but it's one of those professions that first of all, is not common. The, the profession is a hundred and two, three years old, but it still sounds like rocket science to most people like, like today. I ran into a patient's room and introduced myself. I've been working with the patient. It was a new family member there. I introduced myself. I said, I'm a professional therapist. I did the session. Then I was heading out and the um, family member was like, was that physical therapy? I wasn't even there for 30 minutes. But I introduced myself as an occupational therapist. But what they heard was physical therapy. Mm. And sometimes I will see other people. I'm like, oh, I'm retired. I don't need a job. The word occupation makes it sound like it's only about, you know, working at a job, but it's, it's more than just that. So I think that if, I mean, educating people can get the word out there, but the next step in the journey is really all about the individual. Because you have to know what you want and mm. why you want it. And then, some of the misconceptions I get about the profession is that, oh, we tell people to lift their hands and that's it. But the, the beauty of the profession is that a lot of it happens in the mind. I could walk up into a patient's room as an assessment and I would hand them a toothbrush. Now, and I will not say anything. Now, what the person does with that toothbrush tells me a lot. If they use the toothbrush to brush their hair, then I have to assess further what's happening. Or if I give them a hairbrush, 
and they use it to brush their teeth. Then there was a lot happening. Yes, I'm accessing the movement of the hand, but I'm also accessing cognition. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I will go into somebody's room and say, can you feed yourself? They will say no. But the phone will ring. They'll pick up the phone and put it on their ear. Picking up the phone and putting it up your ear is similar to feeding yourself. Yeah, it's the same yeah. motion here, but the difference is that phone is this, and then feeding is smaller mode of movement. So it's it's a lot. It's almost like we are constantly playing detective. Mm -hmm. like, okay, you can do this, but you cannot do this, or you cannot do this because you don't think you can do it. So it's 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 a lot. Like I said, a lot of thinking on your feet. You're constantly. Let me ask you this. Might be a dumb question, but sorry, my brain thinks in parallel ways. So, <laughs> you know, Elon Musk is developing this as robot things. You know, how do you guys play in this? You know, all the movements and everything. Um, in that sense, I would think that is more like artificial intelligence. Okay. But that will not be able to replace the human skill. No. Because I feel like the whatever thing that he's doing is programmed to respond to a certain something. And as a human, I also assess emotion. I also assess, you know, bodily movement, how you do it. So there was a lot of assessment going on that only a human will be able to do. Now, the artificial intelligence thing might be able to do basic functions like maybe carry you from the bed to the chair or make you stand up to but as a human i need to see what functions you have or what you're able to do then i assess or i determine how much help i can give you just enough help for you to do what you can do and over time i would fade out my help and let you do more gotcha so it's a lot of um I don't know, back and forth. And sometimes patients don't have the same outcome every day. And it could be that they're dealing with family issues or they didn't have a good night's sleep. So that affects function. Mm -hmm. Or something might be going on medically. And artificial intelligence thing will not be able to tell that. Right. So that's why I say it's a lot of thinking on your feet. And sometimes you have to act so fast that you, you would wonder at the end of the treatment, like, oh my God, how did that happen? So it's, I think that's the part of my job I enjoy the most because mm. you have family members like, you're not doing any work. Oh yes, I am. You're just not seeing it. And that's why sometimes family members or even relatives, you know, they're like, ah, oh, I can do your job. That's easy. From that's right. the outside looking in, it is easy. But when you go through the, you know, the whole program and then you get to see from that lens, it's not. It's really not. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. Well, for me, it's not easy, you know, keeping composure when you're trying to get a sick person to do something and they're not trying to do it. It's like, yo, I mean, if you do this, you know what I mean? It's going to help you, but you still got to exercise your strain on patience, you know what I mean? So it's really not easy. I, yeah. I know for one, I cannot do it. You need you know. a whole lot of patience yeah. to the point that you can stand still and watch a person roll from their back to their side without helping them. 
and it, it can they can feel like 10 minutes that's tough i mean the, the human the general normal human would be like you know what come on i can you know get you i mean in some cases depending on what you're working on if i understand this person needs to work on their strength in order to be able to do this i'll assist them out up and out they'll mm -hmm. go and work on exercise to the point but over time i have to fade out how much help i'm giving them because my goal is to get them independent right sometimes i go to a patient's room and the family is doing everything for them and my question would be if they go home, would you be there to help them 100% 24-7? If the answer is yes, then I'm going to work on what just trend or whatever you want me to work on that makes life easy for you. Right, right. But if I'm trying to get somebody to be independent with eating, but there's a family member who feeds them at home, it's almost like all of this work is going to be canceled once mm -hmm. the person goes home. Yeah, waste of money too. But I mean, you don't mind taking the money though. Oh, uh, one last question here. I mean, two two last questions. Being the introvert that you are, correct me if I'm wrong. Ooh. I know. I mean, I know you're introvert. I am. I am you know an I mean? introvert. Yeah, being the introvert that you are, and you're in a field that is not introverted. How does that work? Hmm. Um, I think that I would credit a lot of this to the fact that I love what I do. Right. Sometimes I'll show up to work and um, I'm hyper, like. <laughs> I think I think sometimes I'm so hyper that I am like, whoa, where is this from? I think I get a kick in seeing people going from not being able to do something to being able to do something, mm -hmm. right? And even though I'm an introvert, I would really say I'm an ambivert. It just depends on the energy that, you know, that I come across. Yeah. And sometimes... There was a thing um, in occupational therapy we call therapeutic use of self. Sometimes the person that you are makes a therapy session. So sometimes being an introvert is what is needed in a particular situation. And sometimes meeting an extrovert where they are is what they need in order to participate or get better. And this is another aspect of flexibility. You know, you have to be able to be flexible with your time, um, flexible with your personality. So if I have a work day where I had to be more of an extrovert than an introvert, when I get off work, it's like, whew, I don't have any more energy to say anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people take it personal, like I have an issue with them. But the truth is my energy tank is, is done. Right. And all I can really do is like, yes, no, hello, hi. And, and that's it. Yeah. But now it will depend on the depth or the type of conversation, because if it's my kind of conversation, I can be up till you know, the next day for 24 hours. But if it's a shallow, I'm just like, really? Please. So it's, it's, it's another aspect of flexibility that, um, like I said, because I love what I do, it's easy for me to to fit into, you know, whatever is needed, yeah. whatever is Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I just had to, you know, feel more curiosity than that because you know, sometimes when you know I put myself in some, you know, in some situations where I know that you know I don't belong, but then I find myself excelling at it. I'm like, huh, how did I yeah. just pull that? I, I was I was going into this panicking. How did I just pull that? You know, um, but man, how can people reach you? You know, I know you got 
uh, Nana Delight, you know, Fruit Delight, which, you know, my, we might talk about that some other time. You know, people go check it out. You know, order your fruit salads if you want. Anyways, plug it, please. Let me not talk too much. Just plug those things. Um. Well, so I am on Instagram, the only social media I have. <laughs> so my personal is... Um, see, I don't even know my personal. Right, okay. I'll, put it, I'll, put it, I'll put it in the show notes down here. Yeah. And yeah. then I have the fruit thing, um, which is actually born out of being an occupational therapist because working in that field, I have learned a lot about preventing certain health conditions by what we eat. And the simplest of things that I have come to learn about is just increasing food intake. And among the other things that we could possibly do to manage health or decrease the risk of certain conditions, it's just increasing food intake. And I chose fruits because you don't have to cook it. You know, you can just grab it and go. Every other thing you might have to cook it. Some people cannot tolerate raw vegetables. So you either have to steam it or you have to cook it, but not if you overcook it, you destroy the nutrients. So I feel like as an occupational therapist, we break things down to the smallest piece. You know, say that the act of brushing your teeth, first you got to think about it, then you have to break it down in order to make somebody who has lost the skill to regain it. So I focus on fruits because if you increase your fruit intake, there's really a lot that um, that you would gain out of health and wellness, and especially mental wellness, which is a um, taboo topic in the in the African community, which kind of takes me back to the therapy in occupational therapy is always that, oh, you're a therapist, you're a shrink. And no, I'm not, but a certain aspect of being an occupational therapist requires me to use my critical reasoning skills and be like, okay, something is, something is not connecting, you know, cognitively, you know, can I refer to psych? Can I refer to nursing to talk to the doctor? So there was a lot of, you know, pieces of the puzzle that as an occupational therapist we look for and then, you know, make recommendations and make referrals to run. Sounds like a lot of work, man. It is. I mean, it sounds like a lot of work in the beginning because I remember my first, first two or three months out of school, um, I think I had like a four hour day, but I was at work for eight hours. Mm. And when I got off, my head was pounding. <laughs> I got off like three or four o'clock. I got home and I went straight to bed. I bet. And it was that way for the first two to three weeks because there was a lot that I was trying to learn at once. But all I needed to do was just take it one day at a time. Give yourself grace. Well, I didn't think about that then. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is overwhelming. Like, am I ever going to make it? And now it's just, you know, it's almost like a breeze. It's like I would have a challenging day at work. Then I wake up the next day and be like, let's do it again. 
<laughs> I mean, you're a pro at it now, you're seasoned. So, I mean, of course, you know, but for those coming in, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll break that first, you know, that, 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 that first sweat or tear, you know, that first 90 days of work is either a break or make season, you know? Especially so. now that things have changed. Oh my God. That's why Speak I a little bit that. about that change. Briefly. Okay. So I think the issue with the change is that therapy is, um, how can I say it? So companies, therapy companies that, you know, employ, they, they, they keep wanting to make profit at the expense of the employees, at the expense of the patients. Mm. So prior to 20, I think it's 2018, you know, a, a typical day will be six to seven patients. A typical eight hour day will be six to seven patients, you know, about one hour treatment sessions. But the flip side to that too is that because these companies are trying to make money, they make you see, they make you treat patients for longer than they need in certain instances, because the more, the more money. But then the change, it changed such that now they're making therapists see more people for less time. Mm. And the treatment sessions feel like a drive-by, you know, like a drive-by. Uh, the word I'm thinking of, I don't want to use it, but <laughs> it's like like a drive-by treatment session. I mean, some people do not need too long. Some people could use too long. But as a therapist, you don't have that, that freedom to determine what could benefit from what. Mm. It's almost like everybody has this set time, like a cookie cutter kind of thing. Yeah. But I think that as a seasoned therapist, I have come to figure when a change initially initially happened, it was stressful because you wake up from seeing six to six to seven patients to seeing ten to sixteen patients. You know, I, I seldom get headaches, but with that change, I found myself having a headache for two days because I was stressful. But over time, I have come to figure out what to give each person. Like, what's the priority for you? What do you want to get better at? This might be the time that you had here. So what do you want to work on? So it's almost that foot hitting the nail on the head as opposed to, okay, we have this much time. We can do X, Y, Z. So for people going into it now, maybe because that's all that they know, it might not be challenging. Or it would be, because like I said, my first time into it, four patients a day, I felt like I was losing my mind. So imagine coming into it and you have a half day's eight patients. You know, if you're coming to, yeah, if you're coming to it as, a therapist, then you have assessments, evaluations to do, you got paperwork to do. If you're coming to it as an assistant therapist, they load you up, you know, they give you an, a four hour day is eight patients. Yeah. A full day, eight hour day is 16 patients. Like when the change first happened, 
by my eighth patient, everything felt blurry. I was like, no, I cannot do this. So there comes a point where you have to speak up for yourself. So I had to, you know, tell my manager that I look, this, this is not, it's not working for me. It's not working for the patients, but I know it's working for the company. Mm-hmm. People think that this is what, what, what you want to do. Then I don't know, find somebody who will do it, but right. this is what I'm able to do with my human capacity. So I think that as therapists, we need to be able to speak up for ourselves or else these companies will keep, you know, using all like, you know, human machines because the very first company I worked for was owned by therapists. So they, they understood what it takes to work in the, in the nature of, because it takes a, it can take a toll on your body and on your mind. Mm-hmm. But then the other companies that are coming in now, none of them are therapists. All they care is about the number, you know, numbers. they hit refresh, check the numbers. If it doesn't make sense, they make recommendations irrespective of how that is being done. So I think a lot of, you know, anybody trying to get into me now, you have to be a strong advocate for yourself and also for the patient, because when you advocate for yourself, you're advocating for your patients. Yep. Because if you ask, agree to do 14 people a day, or 16. I mean, I don't know what kind of therapy you're given, but if, if, if you're only there for the money, eventually you're going to burn out and, and burnout is no fun. Or we will not show up in your work eventually, you know, over time, you know? Yeah. So, Hey, everything with a grain of salt guys, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's what's uh, even though some of us, you know, want to overload ourselves or, you know, want that bigger pie just because yeah. you know we have big mouths that we can fit it in but hey i appreciate yeah. Sorry? uncle sam would you know chip into it though <laughs> that's a depressing part in it you know being a high tax bracket you're like oh my god i did this many hours and you pick up mm-hmm. your chicken oh wait a minute what happened was yeah. they the system so like i said you gotta pick your fights you know pick what you're gonna find and what you're not gonna find and be okay that's with very it. true that's very true now, I appreciate your time, you know, uh, joining me here to discuss occupational therapy. Um, you know, you could, you know, you could have easily kept this information to yourself, but I do appreciate, you know, you know, sharing and being the introvert. I had not really wanted to sit in front of the camera, you know, going out of your, out of your way to do this. So really, really appreciate it. And I hope that, you know, um, listeners and watchers, uh, if this is not pertaining to you directly, if it pertains to somebody that you know, you share this with that person. You know, so they can begin to have an idea of what they're getting into before they could even get into it. You know, it's never too late to either get into it or get out of it. You know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's never too late. So <laughs> um, it all starts with you. You got to make a decision, make up your mind and, you know, go from there. Like you heard, man, it's not easy. And trust me, man, uh, if, if if I might say it coming from, you know, coming from, you know, our man is very, very, very smart, you know, woman and. It's not an easy, you know, it's not an easy walk in the park, man. So you definitely got to bring the brains and the determination to, you know, get some things done. It's not like some of us, who, you know, who go into the technology, you know, just because it's a little bit easy here and there. So, yeah. Um, any last words? Um, any last words? Anyway, well, thank you for the opportunity because, hey, <laughs> I don't talk this much. <laughs> I seldom do videos of myself doing anything. <laughs> any video you see of me, somebody else did it. And um, 
I mean, I, I love conversations that, um, you know, edify others or myself, because I find that um, when I share information, I, le- I learn a little about myself and about others. So even though I am an introvert and I do not like cameras, I do not like you know, speaking this much, but um, I'm, I'm open to, I'm open to conversations yeah. and um, I'm open to learning. I love to read. So anything about any book, let me know. I'm always curious about, you know, what's in it for me. And like I said about occupational therapy, you have to have a really strong why. It has to be so strong that it wakes you up out of bed and it keeps you up late at night because it's, it's not for the faint of heart. But like I said, sometimes it's, I go home and be like, I just bury my head and go to sleep. But I wake up the next day and I feel fulfilled that, you know, I'm, I'm helping people regain a skill or learn a new skill or because I think that the thing that I always have at the back of my mind is this could be my, because I work in a nursing home, it's the geriatric population, it's the older people. I, mm-hmm. you know, I spend a lot of time with my grandparents. So everybody I work with is one of these, it's either my youngest brother or my grandmother, my grandfather, or my parents. So I approach every situation with that in mind like what if this was my person you know right. how would i you know how would i treat because sometimes i do things that are not occupational therapy needed because of the setting i walk in i work in a nursing home so sometimes all the patient wants is just a cup of water but you know nursing is understaffed can i spare some time to get them water and then fight with productivity later hell yes because if somebody's dehydrated, they can barely function. Sometimes it's not my patient, but what is the basic need of life? So, like I said, if you find a strong enough why when the challenges come, you you handle it well. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Find that purpose, man, and and go at it. Go at it with every force that you got. You know, it's not easy, but you can do it. You know, I mean, take example. Just take mine, you know, as an example, and you know, always refer back to this video if you need to, and and, and go from there. Appreciate you, appreciate your time. Uh, follow Stuck in the Middle on all social platforms at SITM Podcast, and all streaming platforms at SITM Podcast. Yeah, SITM Podcast everywhere. You know, what I mean, follow us, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and subscribe to all streaming platforms as well. The email is SITM Podcast two three seven at gmail if you want to send us, you know, any referrals and also too, you know, if you got, if you write, you know, I mean, want us to post your blog post, feel free to send them our way or guest referrals, like I said. And, and yeah, I'm your host, Uncle AK and catch you on the next one. We out here. Stuck in the Middle. This is your girl, Adele Clarice. Shout out to Stuck in the Middle podcast. We love you guys. General, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle. Stuck in the Middle podcast. Big shout out to the family. I'm talking Reflex, AK, Achiri, and the rest of the gang. Hey, make sure you bring all your important information, your art, everything in the DMV. It doesn't matter where you are. Come to the DMV to Stuck in the Middle podcast. That's where it's happening.